Okay, here we are again. Good to see you today. How are you feeling? Ready for our message this morning? Looking forward to getting into God's Word. You know, I need some special prayers this morning. I don't know if you know this, but I need prayers every Sunday morning. In fact, I need prayers every morning. Just, just go ahead and put it on your prayer list. But a special uh, need that I have today, I realized when I got here that I had left my cell phone at home. Now, it just shows how much progress I've made, but at this point in my life, I wouldn't say I'm high tech, but maybe you can relate. I'm extremely uncomfortable without having my cell phone with me. I feel like there is probably some really important message that... A voicemail or a text that I'm not receiving right now, and I'm sure it's going to cost me millions of dollars, and I'm very uncomfortable about that, and, you know, who knows what else, and, and here, even, for you, even more significant probably, I have no idea what time it is. Now, some of you are pointing to the clock, and you're very eager to do that, and Mike is holding out his wristwatch, yes, so... I understand your concern, and you're right, there is a, a clock up there, but I've, I've mentioned this before, you may or may not know this, but I am nearsighted. So that means, that's why I don't wear glasses up here. I, I have glasses, but I don't wear them up here, because I actually, if I had my glasses on, I wouldn't even be able to read the, the notes that I've written, or the Bible that I'm reading from, or anything like that. So, But the consequences of that is that all of you at the black back half, I said the black half, and that, you know, I I was going to just, I was going to just stop and let it go, but I just thought, you know, I need to acknowledge that I said that, and I also need that I saw, uh, said that by mistake, but anyway, uh, maybe that's testimony, all of you who are sitting at the back are a little vague, you're a little, you know, and so... Like right now, I'm looking back at that clock. It looks to me, it says 10.30. Is that right? Okay, so, so Christy's got a digital over here. Not, and you know what? I can see that. That says 11.02. Okay, so problem solved. Prayer's answered. I've never seen prayer answered. You know, it just proves that when people are properly motivated... They will pray urgently and powerfully and with faith. So we're going to end at uh, around 11.30 today. That's what we generally do. Excited about it. So we're finishing our series today on Jesus and motivation. And we're actually finishing the second part of the last lesson on Jesus, Jesus and motivation, which is entitled, The Need to Achieve. I don't know if I gave you the title last week, but... Uh, that was the title last week, part one. This week, part two, the need to achieve. Talking about Jesus and motivation. And this has been a fantastic series for me. I feel like I've learned so much and learned new things from Jesus, saw things I'd never seen before. It's been very practical and helpful. I could hope that it is for you as well. Now, I mentioned, uh, or last week I went over sort of a summary, and what I've done now if you're interested, I have done a one-page summary on the whole series that we've done called Jesus and Motivation. A lot of it was on the screen last week. And so I have sent these out 
just the front of one sheet of paper. I've sent this out electronically to the small group leaders. The idea is that they will pass them on to you. If you have not received your electronic copy yet, then, for instance, if you're in the singles ministry, you ask Marlon. You go, why have you not sent it to me yet, Marlon? And Marlon's looking around, and, 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 and he's confused. Oh, I have to ask Sally. Okay. But anyway, that's the idea. But in case you're not, uh, you want something written, then uh, I have made copies of this. I put them up in the front and also in the back. There's also bulletins and calendars and over there. So it's just information you'll have. Uh, somebody asked me, do you think that everybody that you send those to electronically or that everyone who picks up one of those copies uh, actually looks at it or pays any attention to it? And I just want you to know, I do not assume that all of you do that. I do it, though, because I'm hopeful that for some that are perhaps especially motivated right now to learn and to grow in, that, in these areas, or that maybe if you're not ready right now, maybe sometime in the future, you'll be ready and you'll have this uh, hopefully helpful tool for you. Does that sound good, Christy? So you just put that thing right on top of my bag where there's just no, the, the clock, the green clock. There's just no way I could miss that. So you're really, uh, you're really concerned, aren't you? Okay, now it's time to pray for Christy. So, so it turns out, Jesus knows us, the Lord understands us, that one of the primary needs and desires that we all have is the need to grow, to achieve, to be successful. And that's true in any area of life, and maybe it's especially true in our spiritual life, and there's opportunities there, and that's what we're talking about. And I think it's pretty obvious to us if we just consider a couple of questions. How do you feel when there's something that you are told to do or something that you need to do, and you have no idea how to do it? That's a terrible feeling, isn't it? That's a frustrating feeling. And I get that feeling quite often with, uh, with my laptop, with my computer. And so uh, what do you need when, when you don't know what you're doing and you need to go get some help, right? You need to find somebody who knows more than you do. And so uh, probably, I wonder if I'm the only one, my go-to guy is Jose Fong. And, you know, anybody who's smart enough to be Chinese and Panamanian is, you know, got something going there. So anyway, I go to Jose Fong, and he fixes my problems, but I figured out something else recently. Sometimes, you know, when I have a, an issue, a, a tech issue or whatever, I can look it up on the Google. And it's amazing what's out there, isn't there? And in fact, this week, so I, I'm, on, I'm in the middle of an experiment. So this week, my laptop, my older laptop is you know, not working, and you turn it on. I don't know if this area. You turn it on. It turns on for like five seconds, and then it turns itself off. Have you ever had that? And so I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a bad problem. Is is that a bad problem, Brian? Yeah, I thought so. So anyway, I'm trying a couple things. I'm going on my own. We'll see how it works. But I first of all, I ordered a new rechargeable battery because I don't know if you know it, but all laptops have a rechargeable battery that allows them to, you can plug them in, but you can also use them separate from any plug-in, using a battery as a power source. It's good, Dr. Mike, I don't see you taking notes here, but you need to be writing that down. So, 
I tried that, and uh, I ordered it from Amazon because that's what I do now. I sit in my house, and I wait for things to come to me. And so uh, my battery came, and I switched it out. And, the, you know, I was really excited for one day, wasn't I, Mary Kay? Because for one day, I turned on the thing, and it worked for a day. I go, look at that. I have fixed my problem. And I did it all by myself. And then a day later, it went back to doing the same thing again. You feel me, Brian, right? So then the next, so then I look up, so I, I looked up on the Google, you know, what do you do? And, you know, I all this stuff there, and I got there. I found out something, and this is free education, has nothing to do with the Bible yet, okay? But I want you to know, I did not know this. I bet you knew it, Bob. There is a second battery that almost every laptop has. It's called, I wrote it down. It's called a CMOS battery. Who knew that? Okay, see, all the millennials knew that. All right. So there's another battery. It's much smaller, and it's kind of harder to get to, And but I looked up on YouTube. You just plug in there. How do I change out the CMOSOS, whatever it is, <laughs> battery? And then, you know, and so I'm, I'm eagerly waiting because I ordered it on Amazon, but it isn't here yet. When I get it, I'm going to look on YouTube, and I'm going to find out, I'm going to, you know, plug in there how to how to install a CMOS battery in my particular laptop. And when I come back next Sunday, we'll be at the park. I'll give you a report on how it's going and whether it's working or not. But we're frustrated when we need to do something and we don't know how to do it. And at the same time, I think that we also understand the other side of that when there's something we want to do. There's something we need to do, and there is somebody to help us. There's somebody to walk us through it. There's somebody to teach us. There's somebody to show us the way. There's somebody that's going to stick with us until the job's done. That's what we need in the church. And we had that in life. And, that, and so many of us, where we're at and what we know and the successes that we've experienced so far already in life are because of parents and teachers and counselors, and coaches, and mentors. But here's the thing that some people haven't realized, is that God has the same plan for His church, for His community, for His fellowship, that we be there to help each other. And it's great that we can still have help, and we can find help spiritually. Uh, last week we went through and had different people share about all the things that they understood or knew about life, but spiritually just because they have been helped by somebody else. Somebody else has helped them to grow and achieve and find success in their prayer life, their Bible study, sharing their faith, marriage, parenting. We listed and listed and listed, didn't we? Relationships, all that. Those possibilities are still there. And it's really out there. And we all have that opportunity and we all need help, don't we? And it's so important, it's so motivating when we get the help that we need. You know, and, and I'm sure you can experience this in, in your life already as well, that we sort of start out and we grow up in life and we're, we try in a lot of different things. And we, 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 you know, try, you know, different musical instruments or different arts or sports. And what happens, you know, we, we try them all. 
And then what happens is we figure out some of them we really like and some of them we're really good at. And the other ones, we just start, they start dropping by the wayside, right? Because success breeds success. When I enjoy something and I'm good at it and somebody's helped me be good at it, then I want to do it more. But the opposite is true. We need to understand this spiritually. When I'm not experiencing success, when I feel like a failure, it's not going to be long before I, either I get discouraged, I lose energy, or maybe even I'll quit. Nobody likes to keep doing something that they don't feel good at, right? And so that's why we need to help each other spiritually, so we can be good at things. So anyway, we talked about, I won't go through the scriptures just to catch you up from last week. Today's going to be a very practical lesson. And uh, go ahead and turn over to Mark chapter 6, and we'll start reading there in a moment. About this idea of how to, the need to achieve and how to help each other be successful. We're going to learn some from Jesus here. I want to mention, remind you, if you were here last week, or even if you weren't, maybe then you can catch up. There were two scriptures that we looked at last week. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus said to the initial people that he called to follow him, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus gave a guarantee. Jesus gave a promise. Jesus said, I'm going to invest in you guys. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you be successful. What do they know about being a fisherman? What do they know about making a difference? What do they know about changing lives? Probably nothing. Peter, at least, was not very spiritual even. There was a lot they needed to learn, but he invested the next three years, and he said, I am going to be with you, and I'm going to help you. And that's what he did, didn't he? We're going to read a little bit today about how he helped them to become fishers of men. In the, uh, and so I think the challenge for us, and I'll just say it again, if I didn't say it well enough last week, is we all need to be people who are willing to invest to help somebody else grow. We need to be willing. We need to be that church. I think we have been that church. That is the history of our church. That is the culture of our church. But it needs to continue to be our church. That we sacrifice, that we commit ourselves to help other people be the best they can be spiritually and to learn spiritually. The other scripture we read last week was Luke 11, verse 1. And that was the interesting one. Two years into Jesus' ministry, the disciples said, Lord, they came to Jesus after he'd been praying. They said, Lord, teach us to pray just like you taught your disciples. And that's the interesting thing about it because this is a two, these are two sides of the same coin. We have to be willing to offer help and to give help but we also need to be people who ask for help. Right? Nobody likes to give, try to give somebody something they don't want. You ever try to do that? Not very comfortable. Doesn't work very well. And here's the truth that we need to understand. You can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Right? So then it becomes on us to be to the best of our ability, to be people who will give and help other people find spiritual success and growth and achievement. But we also need to be the people who want to get help, who want to experience success. And I don't know why Jesus is so brilliant, isn't he? Why does he wait two years and you think he hasn't even given them a lesson on how to pray yet? But he waited for them. And that's the thing about Jesus is so brilliant. You know, his ministry was only about three years, and it's, so, it, it's quite fascinating how much he accomplished in three years. 
The thing about Jesus is that I say Jesus was urgent, but he wasn't in a hurry. Does that make any sense? And it's a beautiful thing the way it worked out. He, in many times, he waited for people. He was patient with people. He waited for them. That's why I'm. That's why I want you to pick up one of those copies of How to Motivate. Because some of you are like, I'm not the least bit interested in motivating anybody else, except maybe my husband or my children. That's not where I'm at in life right now. But maybe someday you will be. But Jesus is patient. Jesus is able to do so much. So now, we're in Mark 6, and we're going to finish up our, our lesson here. This is so exciting. We've got so much time left. Well, I know that because I'm looking at the green numbers over here. And it says that it's just 11 o'clock, right? Okay, we'll move on. So in Mark chapter 6, maybe you've read this before. This is how practical Jesus is. And I think this is in the Bible for a reason. Jesus is going to, this is a big part of what he does to help them grow and learn how to share their faith. And this is what we're going to read here in Mark 6. There's different versions of it that are recorded in Matthew and Luke as well, but it's pretty important, and I think there's some lessons that we can learn as we try to help other people to grow and achieve success in their life in Christ. It says in verse 7 of Mark chapter 6, calling the twelve, now you might remember he had twelve guys at this time that were especially his followers, he was training them, he was working with them, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. They were given miraculous ability to do things that you and I do not have the ability to do. Probably should just say that right up front. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. I hear something. something Something is going off. Does anybody else hear that? Is that you, John Adler? It's good to see John here today. Welcome back. John was recently in New York. It was your aunt that, was it your aunt that passed away? Welcome back. So anyway, where was I? So Jesus gives them some instructions, specific instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. That was a outer clothing. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. When you leave as a testimony against them, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So the first thing you need to do, this is what we can learn from Jesus. You're going to help other people. Maybe one of the first practical things to do, you need to give them clear direction. You need to give them practical steps on what to do. Now you might be saying, I don't think this was very clear direction that Jesus gave. But you have to understand that, of course, we would need to translate that to another culture. It's 2,000 years later. 
and it makes a lot more sense. And there's several things that are different about it, and I wish I had time to go through and explain all the principles involved here. But I think in a general way, Jesus is giving them very practical instructions about how to simplify their life, how to trust in Him, how to use the gifts that God has given them to serve and benefit other people, and, you know, sort of how to, you know, just the practical carving out the time, making the time, making the priority. Very important practical thing that he says is that, you know, if people will not listen to your message, just leave them and walk away. And there's some really good principles here that we could use today. But here's what I want you to understand. It's, I would hope that if we were going to sit down and help each other, you know, learn how to share our faith better, that the principles might be helpful, but this, this particular specific instruction might not be helpful. Does that make sense to you? One of the things that's the strangest about it, maybe, biblically, is the idea that they would go into a... He said, go into a town... And just stay with, you know, whatever, whoever lets you stay there. Can you imagine that today, right? But that was the culture of the day. The Jewish culture, they prided themselves on hospitality. And if a stranger came into town, it was expected. Frequently, there would be a line of people waiting to invite you. Oh, you're going to be here for a while. Come on in and stay at my house. Uh, You know, today, that's the last thing we want to do. I'm not letting a stranger stay at my house. In fact, I'm not letting some of the people I know best stay at my house. But it was a different culture. But the principle is Jesus is practically helping them how to be successful in their time, in their situation, in their culture. And it's going to be maybe different for us. But we need to be just as practically helping each other. So let me just say a few things about that. We need to give clear direction to people about what they can do to grow in a particular area, like sharing your faith. We need some of the things I see in this is we need to give not too many, not too many directions. Does that make sense? What happens? You ever been overwhelmed by somebody's directions and somebody's input? And you know what I want to do? I mean, I am. I know this disappoints you, but I am easily overwhelmed. I mean, one of the reasons that when I make a handout, it's always on the front of one sheet of paper, and there's plenty of margins. And there's plenty of spacing in between it. You know why? Because if somebody gives me a piece of paper, even if it's on one sheet of paper, and it's just full of stuff and lots of writing and lots of, lots, that's a lot of words, then I'm like, you know, I'm just overwhelmed already. Just give me a few things to get started, right? So Jesus doesn't give him too much instruction. I think the other thing is don't make your instructions too hard. And you may say, well, that was really, this was pretty difficult, right? He sent them out. But, and it was, but keep in mind, he had been, they had been walking with him, with him daily for two years. So this wasn't like the first thing he did, right? Wasn't even close to that. Actually, it was toward the end of his ministry that he sent them out. And he didn't give them anything that was beyond them. It was not too hard. Notice what else he did, because this is really important when you're helping somebody. You've got to protect their confidence, what does he do? He sends them out two by two, right? Why does he do that? Because he knows us. We need encouragement. We need support. We need a partner. In everything, if we're going to be successful in something, we're best when we're working closely with at least one other person. 
He protects their confidence. Also, he protects them by saying, hey, if people don't listen, just walk away. You know what else I see that he did? I don't know if you ever thought about this. You're going to learn about sharing your faith. He didn't give them any quotas or expectations about how many people they need to share with and over what period of time. And I see him just saying, hey, you guys, I'm making it as easy for you as it can, but it's still going to be hard. It needs to be not too hard, but it needs to challenge us. You're never going to grow unless you're challenged. You're never going to grow unless you do things you've not done before. You've got to step out. You've got to step up. You've got to step forward, Marlon. Are you listening to me? Good, Marlon. We're praying for you. But not too hard, but not too easy either. That's the way to grow. We need that kind of thing. We need that kind of help. So he does that. Now one more thing, and then I'm going to go on and finish up here. To me, the most important part, perhaps, of this whole thing is, you know, he gives this direction, Jesus does, and evidently he did that more than once, but this is probably the first time he did it. What does it say? I want you to go back and look in verse 12. Jesus gives this direction. What happens then? They went out and preached the word, preached that people should repent. Doesn't do any good for you to get direction, to seek direction, receive direction, and then you don't do anything with it. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Am I communicating with you? I don't know if you know this, but as a, your ministry leader here, and any other names you want to call me, just fill in the blanks. But my goal, this may surprise you, is not to teach you the Bible. You know what my goal is? To get you to do the Bible. You see the difference? I don't want, it doesn't do any good. Let's just pause right here and go on. And all the stuff we talked about in motivation, and all the practical help, and all the help that we can give each other, it doesn't do any good just to know what you ought to do if you're not going to do it. Right? Your knowledge is irrelevant. I know that may sound strong. Your knowledge is worthless and irrelevant if you don't do something with it. Did you know there's not going to be any quizzes in heaven? I don't know if that's good news for you or bad news. You in heaven are not going to be judged on how much you know about the Bible. Now, just in case, there are 27 books in the New Testament. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about Jesus. But you're not going to be asked that. You know, why you're going to, you know how you're going to be judged? You know how you're going to be evaluated by the Lord? You know how you please the Lord or you don't please the Lord? It's by not what you know, but what you do. Most people, our biggest problem spiritually is not that we don't know enough. It's that we don't do what we already know. This sounds like a sermon now. And so, 
These guys wanted to know how to share their faith. Jesus gave them some direction, and they went out and did what Jesus asked them to do. One more verse, Mark 6, verse 30. I'm looking at my little green... Is that, a, is that what you call an LED light? What does LED stand for? A light-emitted diode. Thank you very much, Emma. Would anybody verify that that's correct or not? Well, your dad did, but he doesn't count. Parents always think their children are perfect. Well, until they get to be teenagers. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other story. But here's another important part. And we'll close out here. Because after he sends them out, Mark 6, verse 30, just one scripture. Maybe you read it before. It's a very important principle, practically, to helping other people. The apostles gathered around Jesus. This is after they had been out, you know, doing what he told them to do. And reported to him all they had done and taught. You see what happens? First, there's clear direction. Then there's actually somebody who does something. The third thing, very important, is something we might call accountability. Now, some of you may have a bad, you may get a really weird, strange feeling when you hear the word accountability. It's actually a good word. It doesn't mean, should not mean, that you are called to task, treated harshly, um, evaluated negatively. Shouldn't mean any of that. It's an opportunity to have feedback. In fact, there's a little bit of a, a three-point practical I'll give you if you're helping somebody else grow. A, report. B, reflect. Three, repeat. Does that make sense? What do they do? They come back and they report. They say, what happened? They tell the stories. They say, this happened here and this happened there. Then what's next? A chance to review. A chance to say, okay, what did we learn? How could we do it better the next time? How could we grow? How could we do more? Report. Reflect. You know, where we just sort of consider what happened. Review. And then repeat. Then you go back out. What? And try to do more. And try to do better. Does that make sense? I wrote down some questions that ought to be a part of our, our accountability. The right kind of accountability when we're helping each other. What did you learn when you get together with somebody? Mary Kay and I worked on these the other night. So uh, these should be really good. If not, talk to Mary Kay about it later. What did you learn? What questions do you have? Now, after doing this, what do you think? What do you think you should do differently going forward? Another poor 